Okay. Okay, everybody. So this is the identity message. This is the third message into the Abide series. So I'm just going to get started. I'm going to pray and then we're going to jump right into the message and what this is about. Okay. So Holy Spirit, we just thank you for your presence, God. I ask you, Father, to move in this message, Father. I ask you to touch the minds and the eyes of everybody watching, Father. I speak to any deafening on any ears in the name of Jesus, and I speak, Holy Spirit, to to come in like a wind and open ears up in ways that they can hear in a way that they never have before, Lord. I speak to any confusion that is in this room and on anybody, God, that would hold them back from knowing you, God, in an intimate way, Lord. Would you remove any spirits of unbelief, God, that would hinder anybody from hearing who you are, God? I pray that through this message, Lord, is a place where where they get to sit on your lap and know the true character of who you are, Father. I ask that you take people into a deeper revelation, God, of your wisdom, Father. We present ourselves to you, Father, wanting to know you more, Lord, that the church would desire an encounter of your presence, God. I ask for people even just watching this video, Father, that you encounter them where they're at, Lord, no matter where they're at, God, in the room, in their space, Lord, that the anointing would drop in, Father, and and shatter anything that would come against who you are, Father. In the name of Jesus, God, have your will, have your way, speak through me, Lord, let me just be your vessel, God. Drop on us like a ton of bricks, Jesus. We ask it and we want it, Lord. In the name of Jesus, amen. 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 Okay, identity message. So I, like I did with authority, I talked about how I would give these subjects all the time. Whenever I dealt with uh, inner healing or helping people get free, if we didn't touch on the the subjects of your authority in Christ or your identity in Christ, nobody was going to get anywhere. There was no reason to go tell somebody you got a spirit of fear on you or you got a spirit of anxiety on you or you're battling this and that if you're not going to give them a structure to stand on scripturally and spiritually. Because like I said before, when you remove that aspect of it and you just go after somebody trying to get them free you won't um the the freedom won't sustain like it won't because there isn't foundation without the foundation the doors stay open so you can i mean i can pray for somebody and see them get delivered i've seen a lot of people like get a deliverance of depression anxiety whatever it is and then i hear within a few days a few whatever that they're battling with it again And that's normal. Like, it's very, very normal. Because the foundation lacks. The intimacy lacks. It's not saying that somebody is in the wrong. To be quite honest, a lot of people battle, like, things throughout their life that God will allow you to walk through in order to keep you on your knees and in order to get you to go after him more. But then at the same time, when you find yourself always drowning, then you have to understand that you're the one missing the mark. We're the ones that aren't standing in the right place. I remember this one time. Oh my gosh, this was so funny. Sometimes God gives me visions that make me laugh really hard of how he talks to me because it feels like he makes fun of me, but he knows my humor. And so he knows that it would hit me funny on the vision that I got. I remember it was two years ago and I had this big meeting at a big church, like with my ministry. And it was this huge opportunity, right? I was meeting with all these pastors. Well, afterwards, within a few months, it felt like it wasn't going to, like, I wasn't to walk through. Like, I wasn't supposed to take the opportunity to do my ministry there. Well, it, like, threw me for a loop. Everything in me took it as that God wasn't blessing my ministry because I wasn't having it at that church. And I was in complete panic on needing to hear back the answer, blah, blah, blah. And I remember I went into anxiety, depression over it. And all of a sudden I was in prayer and I had a vision of me in very shallow water 
flopping around like I was drowning. Like, just like, whoa, like freaking out. And then I see that I'm in shallow water and I stand up. And he's like, this is what you're doing. There's no point. And I'm like, how many times do we live like that? Because we don't realize there's something we could be standing on. I was paying attention to this water and thinking I was drowning in something that couldn't drown me. And it was like instantaneously he was giving me revelation. It's your mind. It's what you're thinking. It's what you're believing. Where's your trust? Where's your foundation? And so when I, when I felt that God was saying the I and abide was to teach on identity. I felt like he was saying, but I want you to talk about it in a different way. I don't want you all about the righteousness of Christ. Because here's the problem with the church. There's doctrine and being taught the righteousness of Christ. And there's a church that doesn't walk in it. So I want to teach how do we walk in it. Because here's the thing. I learned the doctrine in Bible school. And I remember I had to take the class twice because it made no sense to me. And it was called, the, oh, it was called, I, it wasn't just righteousness, but it was the word righteousness was in the title of this class. I had never been taught about the righteousness of Christ. Like I had never been taught this was something that was imputed and imparted into your life. There was a way that you can live out of this. And I'm like, I'm a train wreck, broken mess drug addict trying to get my life clean and I'm being told that this is a spiritual blessing that you have of this position that you walk in the spirit realm that every demon is afraid of and I'm like there is nothing in my life representing that there is nothing in that how many times do you hear doctrine taught from people that don't walk in any revelation of what they're teaching that's the problem that I see with people that's the problem I've had it's the problem I see a lot of people have and then there's people that don't know any of the truth that's actually in scripture so they're drowning just a lack of knowledge my people perish from a lack of knowledge. I believe they also perish from too much knowledge that overrides the wisdom of Christ. Amen. And so I've seen too much doctrine and people way too indoctrinated by scripture that leads to pride rather than scripture that leads to revelation and a breaking in your soul to where you live out of the truth of it. It's a humbling position. It's a very humbling position when you see the two of those come together in someone's life. And so... When I, because when I, when I talk about these things, like I'll get them instantly from the Holy Spirit. He knows not to give me things ahead of time because I run really fast with stuff. And so I'll get stuff very fast and quick when it's time to move on it. So I instantly knew what identity was supposed to be about. And I, I felt like I heard three topics of this. This is how you're going to, I want you to teach this. The in him, meaning getting to the epistles. And what does it mean to be in him? What, is, what does that mean? But how do you get to the revelation of the in him? And then I felt like God said, I want you to teach on my wisdom, my eyes, how you have my eyes, but how do you get my eyes from revelation? How do you get revelation from walking through things in your life that shake you to the core, that nothing that is not of him gets removed. Everything in your life that is not of him gets removed. And that was the unshakable revelation. And so I felt like he was almost building this. He's like, yeah, you're right, Sarah. There is a lot of doctrine. There is a lot of understanding of these scriptures of what it is to have the spiritual blessings in Christ Jesus, that you live in Jesus Christ. You were purchased. You now live in him. He lives in you. But my church doesn't walk in that. You don't walk in that, speaking to me. And so it was almost like he was taking me into what does it mean to stir everything up, stir everything up, get everything messy so we remove the clutter so that you know what it is to be rooted and established in him to where your eyes then get positioned and then you see the righteousness of Christ that you live in. Amen. 
Because it's one thing to be taught it, it's another thing to have revelation of it. And so I felt like these were, these were the very three big topics that he was giving me. And it was honestly, I had never in my life thought of presenting this message like this before. Because here's a really interesting thing. So when I first started teaching on um, identity in Christ, was when the ministry very first started, it was the Living in Freedom series. Now, I just started this as a Bible study. I had no plans to have a ministry. God woke me up in the middle of the night in October 2014 or something and put on my heart, write down how I set you free of your bondages. So I wrote down these topics. There were like five or six. One of them was identity, like learning my identity, which at that time, goodness gracious, I don't think I, there was maybe one aspect that I actually knew of what my identity was, but I had something, okay? I had something to go off, and authority were in there. And so I have this Bible study. I have five girls, I'm holding it at this chick's apartment, and I have these women showing up. Well, we get to the, the identity in Christ message, okay? I can't tell you what happened to me. Now, here's the thing. I've battled spiritual warfare my entire life. I've dealt with stuff that's come against me, hit me like a bat that nobody would understand or get, and I dealt with it alone, okay? For years, I've battled these things, and I always knew what it was. I always knew there was a pushback on my life. As I started getting clarity and revelation into spiritual warfare, realizing this was not God, and this was not okay how I was living and how I was being hit all the time. That happened when I was in Oklahoma, when I had to leave the state, and I was up there in Bible school, okay? So I got hit like a ton of bricks. The day of me giving this message, the first time I've ever talked on this message, I couldn't move my head. I can't tell you how many times that's happened to me. You, there's actually videos of me out speaking messages like the devil exposed message. I'm moving like this on the video. I would get, wake up in the morning, get a shooting pain through my entire body and unable to move. If you, we don't understand that that's the devil, then we are naive. <laughs> I'm like, it's clear as day. Oh, this is going to be a good message. I came in with guns blazing. Anytime that that happened, you better believe I'm moving around like this, but I don't give a crap. I'm like, I know what this is, and I don't care. And this just shows me what the enemy is scared of. So I got hit like that that day, the identity in Christ. And back then, you know what I was doing? Those two messages, authority and identity in Christ, I actually read a book to people. Okay, you guys probably think I'm super mouthy and I could talk for a really long time. When I first started speaking, there wasn't revelation in me enough to just speak. So I remember all I was doing was talking on kind of a book, reading it, saying things. And the enemy was that scared of that message. That was the main message. I can tell you in every single living in freedom that I did, I could tell you crazy things that happened to me and happened to the people. I even, I did a conference one time, a seminar for females a few years ago at this church, and it was the identity one. And so uh, I, oh my gosh, alarms started going off in the school during the message. We had cockroach go in the middle of the floor, and one of the women get up and start stomping it in the middle of it. One of the women, and then she kept yelling at me during the message, the craziest Craziest distractions. Distractions, I mean, people are distraction. <laughs> the enemy uses people, okay? Just like weird, like things come on people, compelling feeling and emotion to act and do something in the middle of a seminar to yell out. You're like, honey, like shut your demon up. <laughs> like, come on, okay? Like, sorry. But we have that in the synagogue when Jesus had to shut down a spirit on somebody, okay? It doesn't mean just because somebody's in church, they don't carry stuff. I'm like, if we got to get into the, to, to proving that, I mean, because there's people that don't believe that Christians can even carry 
the demonic. I want to be like, that's your demon talking through you right now, talking to me, telling me you don't have one. That's what I want to say to people. I'm serious. Okay, I'm very opinionated with this. And I used to keep a filter on me and was like so afraid of like, oh, but I know that the denominations that don't believe that Christians, I don't want to be in the middle and cause, I don't care anymore. Like I know that Christians can carry demons. Let's get our eyes open, people. And I'm like, so, and we, I could, I could go into what would be like the scriptural foundation, but I'm going to lose my whole topic right now if I do this. And there's too much of a debate in this, and we don't need to go there right now, okay? So maybe one of, one of the messages I will go and I'll present the scripture that where I stand and believe that we can prove in scripture that there are Christians and people in the church that can carry demonic spirits. Um, but I don't feel like I'm in a room that I need to argue people. So I'll get over that. Okay, so I had so many um, like stuff happen to people going into this identity message. It's like, man. What's the devil so frightened of? He's so scared of people knowing truth. If people just understood the reason why half the people that signed up for this had stuff hit the fan the week of coming here that kept them from coming here was the devil, man, would, it, would truth break out on the church if they realized the opposition to keep them from knowing truth? I mean, man, if just people would realize, oh my goodness, this stirring up at my workplace, my child sick or me sick, or this communication broken between me and my wife where I want to fight with her and I'm not in the mood to go to this, this, and this. If you just realize what was going on, the enemy is trying to distract you, shut you down, scare you, get you over here, just in order to stir stuff up so that you don't go there. And so that's what I would see any time I was presenting a message like this. So it made me go, there's some crazy power some crazy power in this message. The enemy doesn't want the church to know, but more than that, the enemy doesn't want the church to have revelation of it. He doesn't want people to have revelation of what this is because when people get revelation of their right standing in Christ Jesus, then everything in hell has to bow unto that. But even if you believe it and know it, then why are people not walking in that position? Because I believe it lacks revelation because of intimacy with the Father of knowing the one that they stand in lives in them, Jesus Christ. Um, so, so I knew he was, he was telling me, I want you to present this differently. And here's what's really crazy. I dreaded ever, ever speaking on identity because of what would happen to me. I mean, I just have the craziest stories of what would come against me. And it put like this, well, first of all, you wanna go, God, this isn't fair. I'm sitting here teaching the spiritual position and the spiritual authority. Why am I getting plummeted? How is that allowed? God, that doesn't make sense. And how do I teach it over here? You want to know when it changed for me? It was about maybe the seventh time I had spoken on it in the Living in Freedom series. I started digging, digging, digging into the subjects I was speaking on in a way that I never had before. I was studying at a new level. Something unleashed on me to desire to want to know more. I went into an in same study of the righteousness of Christ, meaning I was going after it in all these commentaries. I was wanting the meat of the understanding of it. In that study, I began to have this revelation that I had never had before. When I went into that season, what happened? The stuff that would happen to me before stopped happening. All of a sudden, I was presenting this message where there wasn't a huge shove back on me, and I wouldn't have anxiety and fear presenting it. I had times where I talked on this subject and the whole time I was speaking, I was hearing a voice telling me I wasn't scriptural. I went home harassed all night long waking up crying 
The enemy was so afraid, so afraid of the understanding of what this is, the power of the righteousness of Christ. So it didn't, I'm not kidding you, it didn't stop. I dealt with the battle of the identity message for two or so years until I went into this place where I grabbed something in the righteousness of Christ I had never had before. And I remember feeling the revelation as I studied. There's so much power when you take the word of God and you need to feed it to yourself. You got to take it for yourself and want to understand it. There's, there's times I just get so intrigued. I want to like get to the root of this. I want to understand, God, I know this is truth. Show me. More than just understanding scripture, you can't even get it out of different translations. It doesn't take you deep enough in scripture. you got to go study the original language commentaries. You've got to get into the understanding what the context of even scripture is. And until I started doing that, did stuff start shifting in me to where the battle could no longer touch me the same. I mean, I used to feel like I had to study for hours to present something like this, and I would have pure anxiety. Pure anxiety. Anxiety would come over me when I speak. I'd feel harassed in my mind when I would do it. There was such a shove back on it. And now I know that God was saying, when it becomes revelation in you, it can just flow out of you. It's no longer about just studying and need to understand it. Now you've got to live it out. I'm going to allow you to live it out. Now you've lived it out. Now you've got to experience where the enemy couldn't come against you the same because of revelation. It was the way that I saw. When the way that I saw shifted, then the things that were pr- pushing back on me shifted as well. The crazy thing is, the demonic knows what you know and what you believe. And if you don't think so, they have studied you longer than you probably even know yourself. And that's the true fact. They know your fears. The enemy knows your fears. He knows your fears. He knows the things that trigger you. They watch. And some people that just messes them up because they don't even want to hear this stuff. They don't want to hear that this is true. When I promise you, why are your weaknesses your weaknesses? Why is a temptation a temptation? How is that area in your life have the ability to be poked and poked and poked? Do you think sometimes it's just, oh, just happens? Or do you think the enemy might present things and do things around you to get you to sink deeper into stuff? It's really what happens. And it's not to blame everything on the spirit realm, but until the church gets their eyes open to the spirit realm, then they lack foundation because we're so focused on this. My biggest fear is to get to heaven and to find out all the stuff I missed here. I think about that. I think about it for my mom and my sister. I think about my mom up there, me knowing that she was harassed by demons, that she committed suicide and was a pastor's wife knowing that she took her life with three little kids when she was completely sane six months leading up to before her death. She was sane. All of a sudden loses her mind. She writes that she's speaking to the demonic. I wonder if she could come back down here if she would have learned something when she got to heaven and go, oh my goodness, what did I miss here? I feel the same way for my sister. What did she miss out here by dying when she was 23 and reading Job, never getting to the end, and that's how her life ended? I think about these things. I totally, since I was a little kid, I'm like, I had a mindset of heaven. We are so focused on the here and now. I don't want to get up there and find out what I missed here. And so I want to get through everything that is pain, that pushes back on me, and I want to figure out the truth of it. So I was like, God, I know Paul had this revelation of what it is to live in Christ. That's all he talks about. So I talk, especially in, in like Ephesians which I feel like, God, this was the biggest scripture on this. And so I'm going to go to this real quick. Ephesians 1.17 um, 1, through 23. So this is Paul praying for the, the church of Ephesus. And I would encourage anybody who doesn't know how to pray, go to the Ephesians prayers 
and pray what Paul prayed and put your name in it, even if you do know how to pray. Man, I did this for years until I ended up just like kind of memorizing them and knowing what a lot of his prayers were. Things shifted when I did that. If you don't know how to go after things in the spirit when you pray, do how he did and what he prayed over Ephesus and change your name in it. So he says, I ask God, the glorious father of your Lord Jesus Christ, to give you spiritual wisdom and insight so that you would grow in your knowledge. So you would grow in your fullness, okay? So you would grow in an understanding of God. I pray that your hearts, this word hearts, the cardia, the word in the Greek also is the understanding. I pray that they would be flooded so that there would be a light within your heart. So the problem is that the church can have a darkening in the heart can have where I talked about it in the last in the battlefield thing about the, the blinding of the heart. And, um, yeah. And then I'm talking about this unveiling that comes on, comes within this heart, which comes in revelation. So the word revelation means to unveil. So it's a removal of something. And when we talk about scripture and I talk about the word of God, it cuts, it severs, right? It removes. If you don't have the word of God aligned with these things and you aren't using it as a sword in your own life, that's where the unveiling comes. That's where the resistance comes. I talked about this, um, I believe, in the battlefield. If you or battleground battlefield, if you don't feel when the Holy Spirit convicts the resistance in your soul and you just feel patty caked, then the word of God is not working properly for you. It cuts. It cuts against what the soul wants to do the opposite of. That's where wisdom of God comes in because the wisdom of God is the opposite of these things. And so there's an element. He's praying to the most spiritually mature church. Paul was there for three years in Ephesus, right? The most spiritually mature of all the churches that he visited was Ephesus. And you'll find in how he speaks to them, what he's teaching them about. Yet he's saying that I pray that your eyes of your heart aren't blinded, that you get wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of Christ. In understanding him. So meaning there can be a blinding into the knowledge of who Jesus Christ is. There's a blinding into the understanding of knowing who he is. And, I, and he keeps on going. He says, so you can understand the, the confident hope of which he's called you. It's an invitation to eternal life. So that you would have understanding of this invitation to this eternal life. That you would have revelation. You would have a heavenly mindset. Your eyes would then be shifted off of this natural stuff. There would be some wisdom and revelation and unveiling of your heart. What keeps the veil on the heart in people? The hardness on the heart. I believe it's what we see. It's what we hear. It's what we're taught. It's what we experience. Those are the things that come onto you, your heart, your soul, your, your, let's just say, let's call it the old man versus the spirit man. Sometimes there's too much teaching of just the spirit man and the empowerment, and we don't go back and address that, yes, no, you do battle the mind that wants to come against that. It's the lie-based mindsets. It's the way that you want to reason your life to be. It's the way you want to wrap reason around the things that you experience. And in that reason comes the veil. It comes the hardness. It comes the callous of the part, the heart. That word harden of the heart that's used all over the Old Testament and in the Gospels is it's callous. The heart is calloused. So what happens when you look at a callous or a scar? It's a repeated wound causes it, right? Have you ever looked at your skin and if you have a scar and if you were to open that up again, what happens? The scar gets thicker. And then what happens if you touch the scar? It can't fill anymore. You can't have sensitivity to it. Imagine your heart that way. From the things that you experience when it becomes callous and there's a scar to it. And then another wound comes in that area. Let's talk about just rejection. 
You get rejected in a relationship in your 20s, let's say, or from your childhood, my mom abandoning me, the biggest rejection you could believe because I thought she killed herself because of me. I thought I was a bad kid. So talk about carrying a fear of rejection and lack of value my entire life. Then what happens, I come in and I get a man who stalks me and abuses me and tells me I'm a piece of crap for years and years and years. What happens? I get a scar that gets stabbed and stabbed and stabbed. And then that area, that callousing of my heart becomes so thick, it can no longer fill. That's where we have the strongholds. That's where in 2 Corinthians 10.3, what I was talking about the last time, they were talking about the stronghold, the place of protection that comes up against the knowledge of Christ through the human reasoning. That's where the hardening of the heart comes from comes from the human reason. It, some, it sets itself up against the knowledge of Christ. You get a scarring on the heart. Then that area, that rejection, or that thing that I experienced over and over and over, I may be set free here and delivered over here in my heart. I may have seen freedom in this, and I at least don't battle drug addiction anymore. And look, I'm, I'm good here, God. But when I get triggered over here by somebody that it makes me feel they rejected me, and I spiral in anxiety, or I act like a seven-year-old, when my mom did it, do you know that there's ways that you can act out of your life that you actually are going back to the place of the age of a trauma that happened to you? It's the part of just coping mechanisms. It's the heart. It's the inner self. And so that part of you can become so calloused that it no longer is sensitive into knowing Jesus Christ. Even when he would come and try to encounter you in it. All the reasoning and the things that you've experienced come up in resistance to the encountering of the power and the presence. How do I know this? I know this. <laughs> I know this, people. <laughs> if anybody knows this, it's me. I am a walking storyboard of this. I can give you example after example. And all I know is that the Holy Spirit set me free, that I can teach on it scripturally this way and I can get you free. Because when we shift our mind into getting this, there's such revelation that the church can walk in when all the things that we see no longer touch us the same way. Because we are no longer calloused. I got so, you want to, and here's the funny thing. Here's the wisdom of God. <laughs> Speaking of which, okay, this is the, what would feel like sometimes the twisted wisdom of God. How did I get free of rejection? I got rejected over and over and over again. Jesus did not take me like, here, I'm going to give you 10 boyfriends, and they're all going to really love you. And then you're not going to feel rejected anymore. No, I had to battle rejection in every area of my life, to my church, to my friendships, to everything. I was getting so triggered and triggered and triggered over and over again that it was so clear to me that God was allowing a spinning to create a new foundation and uprooting the old. Because the new will not come from patty-caking your old doesn't come from putting diapers on your old. <laughs> That's funny. I just totally had a visual of that. So that they can't, so that it catches all your crap. No, that is not how it happens. How you get the new is the removal of the old. How do you know the old is there? Let it spin. <laughs> God will let you spin out of his goodness and his wisdom. And so I knew God was saying, like, the identity in Christ, then people knowing me, it's got to come from unshakable revelation, an unveiling of the heart. The heart gets so open and uncalloused that it has clarity of mind to have the wisdom of Christ in it. So Paul prays this. He says, I pray that the eyes of your heart would be enlightened. So there would be a severing in your heart to enlighten to a newness, to see and know the knowledge of Christ. 
Paul writes some of the, 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 the most where I see inner healing than anybody. But here's the thing. Paul went after it with just like a sword. This is what it is. Pray that your heart would be enlightened through wisdom and revelation to know him. Come against the strongholds. You have the divine power. He presents it. This is how you do it. How do you get rid of all these things? It's just so, it's not that simple <laughs> for me. I was like, man, when you've been calloused and calloused and calloused. So God, God shows, let me teach you unshakable revelation. And here's, well, let, let me first go to, um, why I always say I feel like the wisdom of God is like backwards thinking. In, in the last time I was saying it was first Corinthians, or 2 Corinthians, it's 1 Corinthians. I always get that wrong. I just want to read this text really um, quick. Okay, so in 1 Corinthians 1, 20 and 28, and I referred to this in the other message, but I didn't go to it. So he says, this is Paul, he says, so where does this leave the philosophers, the scholars, and the world's brilliant debaters? So in Corinthians, it was, it was the, the Greek, so he's speaking to people who are big on philosophy, okay? Like the Jews wanted power, the Greeks, no. There was more knowledge, okay? So he's going after this. This is how he's presenting this to people who are full of knowledge. He says, God has made the wisdom of the world look foolish. Since God in his wisdom saw that the world would never know him through human wisdom, that your human natural mind will never know his wisdom. You ever think of that? So there are parts of you that will instantaneously not, it's not going to make sense to you. I believe a lot of pain and a lot of the things we see an immediate human reason comes in that it can't make sense. Like it's just not okay. God, you did this to me. You're bad. You're hurtful. You betrayed me. You know, when I was going through this spinning, I cannot tell you how tormented I was of betrayal of God. I felt like my whole life I had to face pain. I felt like I'd given my life to him. Why was he allowing a spinning when I was walking in obedience? Why was every door I was going to slamming in rejection towards me? These are all, this is stories from all over. This is not just ministry. This was every area of my life I was hitting rejection, okay, and betrayal. I felt betrayed by God because I was in obedience. We always try to reason him out, even if you're not in obedience. You think he's judging you or he's allowing you to fall and collapse because that's the judgment and, and punishment on your life. Oh, we always like to reason out why God allows and does and this and that. It's the first thing that comes against. He says, your human wisdom doesn't understand my wisdom. The message of the cross is foolishness. The message of the cross. Why do you think people could sit in something like this and their hearts are so hardened they would never come back to anything I would do again? Because the heart is hardened unto the wisdom of Christ. Meaning that the message that Jesus, the Son of God, would give his life for you to be free and grab hold of life doesn't make sense. Why? Why did you have to do that? You created us. You created this world. Why can't you just make everything better? God, reason. Doesn't make sense. I don't believe any of the, any of the, the scholars, theologians today, even if they try, they can't make sense of Scripture to the point of what it really is. I believe there's such a crazy wisdom in Scripture that it is so mind-twisting in our natural heads that even when we try to present it on a little platter to people, oh, it's so much bigger. It's so much more. So I realized, man, my head's going in torment and betrayal. God, I feel betrayed by you. I couldn't get it. But then I realized, man, what side of me is collapsing? I'm collapsing under this. The fact that I feel so betrayed by God, what is this? Started realizing this is the callous part of my heart that hadn't been dealt with. God was allowing through his wisdom 
through his wisdom. He needed me to see things differently, but I was never going to see things differently if I didn't get to the root of why I saw him that way. And so that led me to what is it? Unshakable revelation. When you are shaken so hard in your life that everything that is not of him falls down and you are rooted in him. I have a shaking scripture. <laughs> I have a couple. Hebrews 12, 26 and 29. When God spoke from Mount Sinai, his voice shook the earth, but now he makes another promise. Once again, I will shake not only the earth, but the heavens also. This means that all creation will be shaken and removed so that only unshakable things will remain. Since we are receiving a kingdom that is unshakable, let us be thankful and praise God by worshiping him with holy fear and awe. For our God is a devouring fire. Are we okay with letting his fire devour us that we are unshakable? Now he's talking about when Jesus comes back and what's going to happen. Everything that's shaking and shakable in this world is going to get devoured. And what is unshakable, the spiritual blessings in Christ Jesus will remain. But this is a promise for today. Because the church is to be unshakable. We are to be rooted and established in him. And then there's another scripture. Matthew 7, 24, he says, any, this is Jesus speaking. Anyone who listens to my teachings and follows it is wise. Like a person who builds a house on a solid rock, though the rain comes and torrents the floodwaters rise and the winds beat not against the house, it won't collapse because it is built on bedrock. How many of us have a spinning and a things that come into our life and we collapse underneath it? Because we're not built in this firm foundation that is the structure, that is what sustains our lives. So... If I was ever to come at the message, if you get your identity is in Christ Jesus, it won't hit hearts until the hearts are unveiled. It can't penetrate until the heart is unveiled. When the heart gets unveiled, it can penetrate the truth. When the heart and the eyes see things differently in their lives, that trauma, that pain, whatever it is that you endure or you see, no longer has the same result of the human reason that you grasp onto why you endure stuff, shifts. That's a place of pure trust. And i sorry it can't happen tomorrow. <laughs> I can't explain what it's taken in my life to uproot this system on me that I've had. The fact that I was walking in so much freedom doing this ministry, God said the fire is going to come in for 20 months, a fire, until you no longer burn your purely refined my mind would go and go and go. I would be tormented all night long because everything that was in me that was still left over, that God had betrayed me. And here's why. I had a very basic human reason to something. My sister dying was the absolute worst thing of all my life, that, of all the traumas. My sister, okay? That I didn't know how to humanly reasonable. I was like, God, I can present hope. I can present joy. Why? Because I was delivered from depression. I got revelation in some areas of joy and hope, Jesus. He's like, there's so much more for you, though. He was saying, there's so much more for you. Because over here, this human reason, very perfectly black and white to me, God could have saved my sister. He can do anything. We know this, right? God can do anything. To wrap stuff up in doctrine, which we can do, no matter what, it comes to the end point. God created you. He created this world. God, you could have saved my sister. This is black and white. I don't, I love you, and I've given my whole life to you, God, and I will do anything for you. But I still have this fear, if you let that happen, what could happen to my children or my husband? 
I love you, God. I'll give you anything, but I just can't reconcile those two. That's black and white. It's not talking about having a corrupt mindset or believing lies. That's just a reasonable thing as a human. Do you think God doesn't understand some of the reasons that you think of the stuff you've seen? No, he does. He's like, but I know, but let me just teach you what it is to trust me no matter what you go through. No matter what you go through, just to trust me. It's not that you have to look that, Sarah, your life's now going to be roses because of what you've endured. Your life is always going to get exactly all of this. You will never endure death. You will never endure this or that because you already endured it all. That's the mindset I had to take to run after God. You have to then make everything better, God. But what if his wisdom is making everything better in the way that you see your life? It's a greater, greater foundation than the things in your life being always okay. Because I don't see that in scripture. And it's not that I believe that God is always going to give people a wrecking of a life in order to keep them on their knees. No. I believe he just wants the people that trust him even in pain. It was just shifting that God, even though this was reasonable, this wasn't okay, you could have saved her. Why'd you have to take her on top of mom? That he still was just saying, I can't, there was no answer. I couldn't hear. He's never given me an exact reason. Some of us will see, why, why, why? But what if you just get to a place of stopping? And you just go, I want that foundation, God, that I can endure anything. And I don't live in fear of loss anymore. I had such a fear of loss, such a fear of loss. I couldn't imagine ever getting married and having children. I couldn't endure losing somebody that got into my heart the way my sister was. I've never let people in my heart that way. God's like, oh, I want this freedom from you. Where no matter what happens to you, no matter what you experience, you're so rooted in my love. Let me show you where you're not rooted. And this spinning was his blessing on my life. It's literally where this curriculum comes out of. Because I believe there's such power and truth when we get to know God in an intimate way in pain. That the reason of that pain just shifts. I don't need to know anymore. I don't need to understand why he allowed it. I don't need to get it. I don't need to believe that I look differently or that he looks differently at me because I didn't get the things that other people got. I got to see that I can know a God in pain and I want to help other people know a God in pain because if we just want to know a God in blessing, then you are missing out on life. Because there's nobody who walks through this life that doesn't experience stuff. That doesn't go through things. I don't care if it's the problems at your job and it's tiny. It doesn't matter what it is. It's just a shifting of the mind. I believe unshakable revelation into the truth of scripture will come and only can come from the shaking of a false foundation. And until we as a church allow all of our core to be shaken and uprooted, then we will not be the new wineskin that the Holy Spirit wants to fill with himself and that Jesus is coming home for. It's what he wants to do in us. It's what he wants to do in his children who he loves. And so if I wanted to be like, okay, I want people to understand their identity to walk in power against the enemy, Man, if it doesn't come from getting rooted in him, the human reason is gone. And you want to know his wisdom. You want his eyes every day. Get before him on his knees and ask for his eyes. Ask him for it. Ask him for his wisdom. 
but watch out. Because <laughs> you want to know something? What I prayed two years ago when this happened, this is like funny. Like, you want to, it's like praying for patience. What's going to happen? Every stupid car in front of you is going to cut you off. Why don't pay for, uh, pray for patience? I'm not kidding. I have road rage issues. Like, you don't want to drive with me. You'll be like, you can probably imagine. I'm crazy. Yeah, I'm a little mouthy when I get on behind the wheel. And uh, that's why I don't pay for, pray for patience. Um, that's just an agreement me and Jesus have. So... I prayed. I asked God. I said, God, I want the revelation of Paul. You better watch out for your prayers. Do you want to know what scripture says? Do you want to know what he says? Do you want to know it to be truth? I says, you want revelation like Paul? Do you look at how he lived? You look at what he went through? You look what he endured? Sure about that? That was right when everything's spinning. And don't get me wrong, my whole life has been spinning. Okay? My whole life has been a lot of stuff. But man... You want revelation? Let me give you unshakable revelation. When I got to the end of this thing, I had a conversation with God. And I felt like he said, would you still have prayed and wanted this? And I said, yes. I continue to pray it through the entire thing, knowing that my core is being shaken because I asked for revelation of stuff. And I knew it. What do you want? Man, I want everything. I want what this says. I've had too much death. I need to know what this is. So I don't care. If it brings a fire, bring it on. Because I know that in any fire, there's such a crazy life and crazy refinement. I want the power on the other end. And that's my personality. I, this is why I do this type of ministry. I like, I want, I want what this says. I want to understand this truth and power that is in this word of God. And so if it comes with the refining, it comes with that. All I would say is encourage people, stop being so collapsible. Let's go after it. Let's get what this says. Stop getting that we're so, that we aren't breakable any longer. The church just doesn't break and collapse the way it does and conform, conform to this world, conform to the world's values over his values. It's not okay. And so it's like, man, pray for revelation. Watch out. Let me give, give you some prayers to go pray for. Go, go home and pray for revelation. Let's talk about your life next week. I'm just kidding. <laughs> I don't want to fear, fear people. I want to inspire people. Because guess what? I came out of the other side like flying. I would never. There's so much of the stuff I'm doing in ministry right now that I would never do before. Because I've had such a confident shift in me of who God is that I don't give a crap. <laughs> I was so scared to talk about demons on camera. I was so scared to talk about what I know to be truth in scripture, what I know to be truth in my life. I was so afraid what people would think. Changes when you know him and you believe and you know the one that is standing in front of you, claiming your right standing to the Father, presenting you holy and blameless in his sight. Amen. When we get revelation of that, Amen. You'll, be, you'll go all over the place being mouthy for Jesus. <laughs> Knowing that he's good. It's what I believe is, is revelation of, the, of this message, of, of what it is to live in him. I'm going to close it down. I'm going to close it with prayer. We're, I'm gonna, and we're going to go into to the deliverance message um, next. Um, and so let me just close this down because that, this was longer. The two other messages are, are a bit shorter. So Holy Spirit, I just thank you, God, for your words today, Lord. I pray that the church would know what it is to live in the right standing that your son purchased for them, Father, for us, God, that we would live in this place, Lord, that we would have the mind of your son, that we would understand your wisdom, that through revelation we would get to know you, Father. 
that no longer the things of the world would affect us the same way, God. We want to know you, Lord. I just pray, Father, that your words hit hearts and go deep, God. Go deep, Lord. In the name of Jesus, amen.